Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This episode is something me and Jacob did together. Jacob is very proficient at using mapping applications for all types of deer hunting. He's very good at reading maps and, and using those features to his advantage. So we sat down for an hour and went over kind of everything he knows about uh, using mapping softwares and how to how to kind of map for whitetail scouting is a really good episode. You guys are going to like it. One thing about it, though, is it is a very extremely visual episode. So I uploaded this episode in video format instead of audio. So if you're able to, you want to watch this one, not just listen to it. Um, before we get into it, though, I got to thank a couple of my partners. Exodus has something cool going on. It's their eighth year anniversary which is one of their biggest sales of the year. So starting today, May 19th, or anytime after May 19th, up until June 12th or while supplies last, you can save 25% off their entire Exodus website. And they're doing something real cool for Before the Echo listeners. You guys use the code BTE at checkout. You get to save that 25% off. I've also left the link in the description. You guys just use that link. It'll automatically uh, go to their website and that BTE code will automatically be put into your cart. So when you check out, you'll get that 25% discount. That's right. 25% off. That includes the Exodus Render, the, the brand new Rival, which I got a, a handful of those now. I'm going to get them out and start using them. I heard some really, really good positive feedback on that the new camera they have out, any of their arrows, merch, anything site wide, you get their five year no BS warranty. Um, some of the best customer service in the industry, as well as just a great group of guys that uh, you can you can put your your trust in as far as cameras go. Pretty cool guys. If you haven't checked out Exodus, get on their website ExodusOutdoorGear.com and use the code BTE to save 25% off. Also, want to give a shout out to Osseo Gear. It's a, a great option for white to hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you've got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable on the stand. Just go to asiogear.com to get you some premium hunting clothing. Plus, Joe and those guys are, are also great guys. Also got to thank Hunting Beast Gear, makers of the best mobile stick and stand on the market, in my opinion. There's no other stand that gives you the weight to room ratio as the Beast stand does. And anybody that, that tries one out seems like they're extremely happy with it. Also, their stick is known as the, the best on the market. Also, it's kind of the trailblazer in the mobile hunting industry. One of the first truly mobile sticks on, on the market. If you guys haven't got your hands on hunting beast gear, you have to. Come to one of the shows, get your hands on it, borrow a buddy's, try it out. Then visit huntingbeastgear.com and get you a beast stand and sticks. And finally... I got to thank Stealth Outdoors, maker of Stealth Strips. I put that on everything. Um, I just put it on some ladder stands I got out. Uh, 
the other day just to quiet them up a, a little bit. I, you can literally use it on any of your equipment. It really is something that hunters that want to take their gear to the next level should invest in and get you some, some stealth strips and silence your gear. Visit stealthoutdoors.com and get some stealth strips. Links to all my partners are in the description below. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Got a special guest tonight. Not your, not, not even close to your first time on, but Jacob <laughs> from the Hunting Beast is on. Uh, yeah, first time I guess as official guest. But... Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, Jacob's going to kind of talk to us about all things mapping, how he goes about mapping, how he uses some of the mapping softwares that uh, you guys may not be familiar with that could help you in the deer woods so everything been going all right jacob this is kind of your your uh first year in the if you want to call it the real world or the <laughs> the, the working man's world yeah it's been a it's been really really busy um i kind of got thrown into my my first job right away uh i'm a manufacturing engineer at metal tech international in waukesha mm -hmm. and uh we make um all sorts of crazy parts we make like shuttle cones for spacex we make all sorts of turbine engine parts and then we make like little dinky pipes and stuff like that too um but the line i got thrown into right away was the turbine engine line and so you know one of my first real jobs was redesigning and producing the turbine engines the uh, cf50 or the tf50s and um some other stuff that goes into boeing 737s mm -hmm. and the first order was for Air Force One being revamped. Oh, and wow. And so we, we were, I was on a team that helped um, redesign Air Force One turbine engine casings. And that was really nerve wracking because I didn't want to screw anything up there. But that's um, funny. It's funny you yeah. said that because I, I I don't remember what I was watching. Is a podcast or, you know, a video podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, they mentioned they'd flown on Air Force One. And it was like oddly outdated, they said. Right. Like it was old. Yeah, and, that, and that's part of the reason they're getting it redone. Um, and so we, we do um, a lot of times when you're engineering something like you're dealing with one part of the process, um, you're dealing with like, let's say it's assembly or it's machining. Uh, this isn't always true, but but um, our facility is unique in that we like everything from metal poured to heat treating it to get the right properties to machining it down to a tolerance that can be half the thickness of your hair um yeah and some non-destructive testing all sorts of stuff we do it all in-house so like if anything is screwed up along the entire way of the part it's on you so yeah that was kind of a an interesting pool to jump in at first but um yeah it, it's really cool it's not i could be designing like pencil pouches or something stupid like that right um, right but uh, cool. it's cool i get to work on that yeah awesome well man let's uh let's hop into it you got like a, a powerpoint you're going to yeah. uh, to share with us and then go back and forth from that to some like kind of real life examples on on mapping here yeah i think i think everybody's gonna find this pretty helpful um if you want to just you got that powerpoint up there you go yeah add it to the screen yep. here um <clears throat> so first off i guess i just want to kind of establish like the usefulness of e-scouting to me um i i love boots on the ground scouting and everything um, but to me, e-scouting is a way to track my success and replicate it. 
and that will help me like go in blind on properties. It also helps me in my boots on the ground scouting because I can reduce an area that's huge into a, a much smaller area to kind of uh, to kind of make it optimal and, and say, okay, I only got X amount of hours. I can only cover X amount of ridges. Um, this is how much, this is how I prioritize my time. Uh, especially Josh, as you know, in Hills, like it can take a long time to just hit three points. Yeah. Um, especially if you're, you know, up on that one third elevation, um, it can take a long time. So if you're spending time in areas that aren't productive from the get go, or, um, you could have eliminated on a map. I think that's a lot of time wasted essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's how I use e-scouting. Whenever I have like a successful encounter, I find a great place. I go back and I track it too. Um, but it's something that um, can really improve your success on first time sits and new properties and stuff like that. Um, so the first step for me and Josh, feel free to interrupt me with questions anytime. But uh, the first step for me is selecting a property. Now I'll, I'll demonstrate a lot of the, the hands-on skills on some mapping here, like you said, but when I'm selecting a property, uh, the first thing I want to look at is genetics of the area. Um, especially if I'm planning an out of state trip, a lot of ways you can do this is looking at Boone and Crockett reports. I know there are filters in Onyx for this, but just Googling it can work just like that. Um, one thing that, uh, I think Joe miles talked about is just hanging out at a coffee shop, talking to, uh, different farmers, talking to other people. And, and, uh, when people shoot a big deer, um, they like to talk about it quite a bit. Um, and so right here, this buck I'm actually showing in this picture right here is kind of an example of that. Um, I'd filmed a friend shoot his first deer ever, and it was, a uh, like a basket rack eight and, uh, he had gut shot it and it ran onto this farmer's property. And so we didn't want permission to hunt this farmer cause we were, well, I didn't because I was hunting public, um, and we went over there and we said, hey, we'd be happy to share the meat with you. We got your tax address from Onyx. We just wanted to ask you if it's okay if we track this deer here. And uh, he brought us downstairs. He showed us this buck that was actually written in the paper. I think it scored like low 90s or something mm -hmm. like that. I think it was like 190 and an eighth or something like that. Um, and he ended up giving us all these tips about different public areas around there and and how he shot this buck and stuff. And uh, um. It, it was weird because there's areas that are 30 miles away that weren't holding deer like this. And his property was all thicket and stuff like that. And there was just a, a micro area in this pressured land that these deer were able to get old and the genetics kept passing on and getting better as they went. And so it was a property that the public didn't line up well for bedding, but during a rut, like there would be monsters on there. Just oh, trapped. nice. So, um, that's a great source guide experience. Of course, if you guys, uh, you hear a lot of guys talking about it on fishing trips, if you can pay for a guide for a day and gain a lot of knowledge from them, or you can pay for their experience, or you can just ask them. Uh, they of course have such a wealth of knowledge and then, uh, just friends in the area and any tips you get from locals, um, are all great places to kind of start your search for a property. Um, biologist data, of course, uh, a lot of times biologists and DNR are like, they're hunters, just like you and I, you know, and they're all just trying to get out there and, uh, and shoot nice deer too. And so they, they gather a lot of data cause they get to see a lot of cases. Um, so that can help a lot. Um, anything with historical or their personal experience, 
uh, it's going to narrow down properties and kind of increase like, hey, people have been really successful here or, you know, there have been great bucks taken out of here. You can kind of get that information pretty quick from them. Um, here's proximity to cities. Uh, to me, it's just like the farther, the better. Uh, Dan talks a lot about being between Madison and Milwaukee. Um, and I just started scouting here near Waukesha, which is about 20 minutes west of Milwaukee. Um, and I found that the closer you are to those cities, there's an absolute correlation between um, being right on top of other people and not uh, right here in this map that I have on the screen. The waypoint radius is an onyx. Don't go out very far. But what I'll do is I'll draw like 20 mile radiuses or, mm -hmm. or 10 mile radiuses and I'll see if I can get a rough circle drawn around it and try to be as far from that stuff as possible. Um, again, these cities can also produce overlook spots and uh, we'll get to that as well. But uh, keep in mind the driving distance versus physical distance too. There's some areas where I could hop on the highway and I could be there in 30 minutes and it's 30 miles. And there's another area that's 30 miles. It takes me 50 minutes to get to from a city. So um, a lot of people are less willing to do the further driving distance. So just keep in mind how much it takes to actually drive there. Um, acreage is a big thing. This is kind of a clip of when you guys uh, interviewed Joe Miles on that map mm -hmm. detective. Um, but are you going to hunt it year round or are you just going to hunt it a few times? Uh, I prefer larger acreage for hunting year round. It gives me more options. You know, if I bump a deer off of it, um, the likelihood that he returns to it's good. Um, and it lets me spread a wider net. So if there's something really special in that property, I can kind of chase that one. Um, as much as I don't want to do repeat sits and spots, it allows me to take advantage of those multiple time sits where you're maybe doing one preseason, one rut, one postseason, um, or pre-rut, rut, post-rut. Um, and are you going in or out of state? Uh, like Joe was explaining here, uh, smaller acreage pieces, uh, especially getting some permission on private or something like that out of state can really pay off. Um, he talks about like having a lease payment that's like less than a truck payment, um, can get you on some really, really nice deer, uh, and especially did for him in these cases. But um, you really want to consider, like, what am I doing with this property? Is this something I want to go to all the time? Um, have I found that there are fantastic genetics here? And I'm going to be likely chasing a giant buck here. Um, you can kind of prioritize your acres then. Um, and overlook properties. This is what I was talking about with cities can kind of create overlook spots. Uh with a lot of properties that I see in the Madison area, a lot of properties that I saw in Platteville and, and Platteville is not a big town. Uh, this is in Southwest Wisconsin is Platteville. Um, but a lot of kids come from all over to go to college there and mm -hmm. they love hunting. <laughs> so it kind of turns into a high pressured area uh, come college. Like when people are actually around there from out of state uh, and everyone wants to hunt public land no one really asked for permission much out there because they're only there for four years um and so i found that when there's a giant parcel right next to a tiny one that giant parcel gets hit like crazy because a lot of guys have that mentality like oh i've got so much land to work with it's just a matter of time before i track down a buck on it stuff like that um especially close to those cities you can see little tiny parcels especially ones that are landlocked uh, you have to get permission. 
you have to get water access, stuff like that. Or if it's MFL, which is managed forest land in Wisconsin, that's a that's a program that doesn't display it right away as uh, public land. You can do some research into that. Onyx doesn't always keep updated onto it. So um, those properties will pop up year to year and it'll sometimes be like private land that all of a sudden became public and it wasn't pressure before and it can be a hot spot. Um, FCL, which is forest crop law land, it's similar to the MFL. <clears throat> and then VPA, um, voluntary public access land. Those are all great options for semi-overlooked, um, but there are some areas of the state where they get plenty of pressure too. Um, but uh, another thing that you hear a lot of guys talk about out west is there are not many trees for stands. Um, what you can do with that is, I'll show you later, but in Onyx, you can see the shadow length of trees. Um, you can kind of, it's different per area for when they take the pictures. But a lot of time you can see if it's actually like a long tree, especially with leaf off imagery, if it's something you could actually sit in um, or if you're just looking at shrubs or anything like that. Um, you can actually use that size reference on the, um, how they have the size scale on the lower part of the map. And then I'll tell you like, okay, how big is this tree I'm looking at? Like, is this just a giant open stand and it's got some shrubs in it? Or am I looking at isolated tree stand areas and stuff like that? You can get a feel for that. Um, but there are some areas that receive a lot of pressure that are plains areas and marsh areas that when there are trees, there's almost always one like tree stand in it. There's almost, it's almost always cut up. Um, and so there are areas like, um, you know, Hunter Hogan talks about it a lot. Like bucks will literally just avoid treed areas. And it's not because bucks are terrified of trees. It's because when there's a tree, there's usually a hunter in them in those areas. Um, so that's another thing you might want to look at as far as properties that are getting overlooked because a lot of guys don't select those properties that they couldn't go up there and set their summit viper in or anything like that. Um, and a new piece of public, that's kind of what I was talking about with MFL, FCL, VPA coming into hand on the year. A lot of times there's Onyx stuff that, um, and you can use other apps, but Onyx is what I use. Um, there's a lot of other areas that just all of a sudden come into public. Um, and uh, those are areas that can might not have pressure on them or around them uh, when they first transition that first year or two before someone realizes that it's actually public is uh, is huge. And that can help a lot. All right. So now we're going to get kind of into the nitty gritty of truthfully mapping it. Uh, so the first thing to me is identifying pressure because those deer aren't going to be in places that pressures actually reaching um so i'm gonna transition here to some of the mapping but uh, you want to identify parking areas that are labeled by the dnr leaf off non-labeled areas roads that are that allow parking etc um so i'm gonna go here so what i map i use um i use color coding a lot and it's because you hear Dan talk about it. You hear other guys talk about it all the time. You'll see guys that mark every damn rub on a property mm -hmm. and, and they'll mark everything. And that can be really, really confusing. And while I'm not one to ever mark like every single rub, uh, I like marking mature sign that makes sense to me. Um, but it still can be a lot of points if you're really scouring a property. So what I like to do is color code it because I can understand when I was looking at fresh sign when I made that waypoint or this is human sign. Like this is a human tree stand. That's someone else. I don't want to be near it. 
rather than my setup, stuff like that. Because uh, I'm sure, Josh, you look at some areas when you're scouting all year long and you're like, why the hell did I mark that there? Mm-hmm. Like, um, So it can be confusing. Yeah, I'm not great at coordinating my colors too. Like I feel like I have random crap on there and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I need to get better at that. Yeah, I think you were talking about uh, the last podcast, Gary, having a good system for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I really like this system. And there's a few that I think would make sense for people to do right off the bat. So we were just talking about access. For me, this aqua color um, is access to me. So any anything I know marked in a trail or a road or a waypoint that is this aqua, this light blue color, that's access. Um mm-hmm. Now, in this case, is I'm marking one third with these red lines, but red to me is danger. Red is another hunter. So if I mark something in red, like a tree stand, a boot track, um, boot tracks are typically on habitual trails. Like if you see people cutting up trails, I'll mark a boot track. Or in this case, this is a parking area that this guy's private land leads into it. So this not being a general public parking area, that's something that I, you know, mark. Um, but for me, when it's something that is this intermediate dashing, this non-dotted, this dash line, to me, that's what I mark human trails in because uh, humans got big boots. Deer, I'll mark dotted lines in because deer have small hooves. And roads, because they're continuous, I mark in these uh, solid lines. So as you can see from this property, these are access points. These parking points are all something that you could probably see from a DNR map. But then I also have things like these lines here that are access trails that I could see coming in. So if I zoom way in on this, you can kind of see how this is a two track mm-hmm. going up into there. And now I marked right now on this map generally what you would see from Onyx. Um, you can easily make these out. You could maybe say that there are trails going along the tops of these ridges. But if I just used Onyx, this would kind of be what I would get. Um, now, what I really like using for this is leaf off imagery. And um, I know Google Earth doesn't work everywhere with that historical leaf off imagery. But uh, I like to use in Wisconsin, this Wisconsin public access mapping. So I've taken these parcels of private that um, I've kind of sectioned off as what public would realistically look like. And I marked them in each of these mapping resources. <laughs> And so you can see there's this cut trail here that we couldn't see at all in Onyx. So I'm going to go here. I'm going to do something called screen snapping. I'm going to take this screen, draw it to the side. I'm going to take this screen and draw it to the side. And now I can see both maps at once. So I'm going to get this kind of oriented here. You can make out this big field here. And Mm -hmm. see right here, Josh, like you can't see that trail at all. And that's something that is, is I'm trying to figure out where these people are using this property. And this is exactly where they might be traveling. Um, My experience in hill country has been guys will walk forever back as long as they're walking on a trail. And once they get off of that trail, they'll go quarter, half mile, um, depending on how thick the cover is. And they just don't go that far. Um, so that's something that to me makes a really big difference finding those trails. So I'm going to go ahead and again, I'm going to boots on the ground, scout this parcel after, so it doesn't have to be spot on where this is going, but I see it going up to that trail 
and heading down to about here. Yep. Oh, it goes down to that field or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now I think it's a human trail, so I'm going to mark in the ingredient. But basically, if you use this leaf off imagery, you can find these trails everywhere. Like, for instance, when I'm looking in on X, I can only see this little portion cutting out. Now, me personally, I would assume that it follows the top of that ridge the whole way. Um, mm -hmm. This this map refreshes every time to kind of update the graphics for you. But uh, when I'm looking at it here, I don't really see it continuing on much. So mm -hmm. and now I can tell because this is private land. Looks like there's a shooting house here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's like a food and plot or something. Looks, yeah. Uh, it looks like it's just kind of a food plot that there was a tractor trail through or something like that. So, you know, you can identify like you saw in that first example, trails in these wooded areas really quickly. And you'll get a feel for, um, you'll get a feel for where these trails are really popping up everywhere. And, and you can mark how humans are using this access uh, quite quickly, actually. Um, here's another example of one. Now this one I was able to make out on Onyx because I could follow it up from here. But that's something you might not see at first. Like I could tell... There's a little bit of shading difference in here in this wood line, but that might not be something you pick up on right away. And right here, it's just blatantly obvious. Right. Right. Um, the next thing that you can use to uh, to find that stuff is actually some LIDAR mapping. Let's see if I can get that pulled up. So with LIDAR mapping, it uh, you can turn on two-foot contours, and you can see that trail that goes all the way around this field edge right here. Mm. Um, you can see that trail a little bit that we just marked coming right like this, and you can actually get a direct feel for that. It's such like crazy defined contours that you can actually see. I'll turn that off. You can actually see where they probably put in relief logging. So sometimes I'll lay a log yep. sideways across the trail to try and prevent erosion on it. Mm -hmm. You can see a trail we didn't even pick up on, I believe, right here. 
And um, yep. those are things that, um, especially in the hills, might actually, if they're not maintenanced well, can produce benches. So, for example, and we'll get to this later, but right here, this might be a little bench that a buck could watch someone accessing on this trail. So this is like a really valuable, like little contour type. Um, Josh, now we can see that plot here. We can see that that trail used to at least actually continue across the top of that ridge. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, those are things that I really like to use. Um, That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, to try and uh, understand the pressure. And for me, the same thing for a deer. Like if you're smelling humans, you're not going there. Um, so my number one thing is, where is the pressure and where is it coming from? Now, I know habitual pressure is going to come from this area. Any trails that I find that are, you know, maybe there's one coming up this ridge. Maybe there's one going over here. We'll just draw some in. Um, and this is areas that I know people are likely to access. So I want to keep these in mind when I'm determining my spots. So I'll just draw these in for sake of use later. Um. And then there's there's another tactic I use that we'll get to that has to deal with determining mature buck bedding off of mapping and what they're smelling being a big portion of that. So once I've identified those parking areas, I've used that leaf off imagery, I've used that LIDAR imagery. Um, I use, I might wanna drive some roads to determine if there's legal parking along those roads. Cause that means that this giant strip of road that has two parking lots, it might also see some pressure along the, in between, um, I want to keep aware of that for sure. Uh, once I've used all of that, you can do things like put on waypoint radiuses. Uh, if you really, really want to get nitty gritty about it, let's say I'll go from this bend in this trail. And I think that this is where people are kind of reaching. Um, I can go ahead and save that waypoint and I can add a waypoint radius. So let's say I think that they're going to get 0.2 miles is what people are willing to travel in this area. Now I know that anything outside of here is kind of a hotbed for me. That's that's an area that I know people aren't going. Now, again, I just had to choose a random parcel of private land. So I'm not, um, I'm not characteristic of what some of these larger pieces might be. So, mm -hmm. you know, if it was a giant piece of public, there'd probably be a lot of land extending past this point. Um, that you could optimize. Uh, next is like we just talked about access trails, um, toggling between, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, logging roads, walking trails, horse paths, stuff like that. You want to learn where people are actually recreating as well. There's a lot of like horse trails in Wisconsin. Uh, mm -hmm. People like to get out on their horses and uh, go along those. And, and that's something that uh, you kind of want to keep track of. Um, that's like typically those cases are like deer will go within proximity to them. They'll, they'll go pretty close if people are just using that for recreation and access. Um, but you step 10 yards off of them, those deer freak out. Um, so in, in those areas, I find that deer select to um, monitor them when they could go way far back and never be close to them. Sometimes they know where the pressure is going to come from and they want to monitor those areas. And the second you kind of step off of it is when they'll bust off. So um, we'll talk about that later a little more, but that's what what they are smelling or what they are betting, what they're set up to monitor comes into play. Uh, and that can help you determine, like, is this more optimal betting or not? 
private land access, like we talked about that Northern point where that guy um, has potential parking area, uh, intersecting nature trails. Um, I showed you guys using side-by-side maps, marking them in Onyx using waypoint radii um, and checking for overlooked areas. Um, so bedding cover adjacent to parking areas. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get into um, when we get into this here. So you're identifying likely mature buck bedding. So this is when it really becomes kind of fun to me. Uh, this is when I'm really, really narrowing down properties. So first is a leeward side. Um, now, if you really, really understand topo maps, you don't always need to do this. But marking that one-third elevation um, for the predominant wind. So in our area, it's west, west-northwest. Um, that's the predominant wind we get throughout the year. That means an east or an east-southeast or southeast-facing slope is going to be something where that buck can have that thermal tunnel, that wind coming over back and uh, thermal rising from below, kind of tunneling in on that one third. That's where he can have it the majority of days out of the year in comparison to others. Um, so I don't know if it's he's more comfortable in that area because this is what the wind typically is. Or if you're shooting for an odds game, like the likelihood of him using this area is much higher than others. So he's more comfortable in this area because he's more likely to be there and I should target these points. I don't know which it is, but I, I, and I don't know if you have Josh, but I know Dan has um, seen a high correlation between those predominant wind leeward sides, having mature bucks on properties. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, you can look at uh, visual advantages, stuff like that. You can mark off the one third elevation for all major wind directions if you really like. Um, so you know, I might have my leeward sides in yellow for a west wind and my leeward sides in blue for an east wind and then green and red for north and south. I can just go look at my map and I can say, OK, it's going to be a north wind tomorrow. I'm going to look at green and I'm going to look at blue for this wind. And, and I know that that's one way to color code spots. Um, you can kind of determine, all right, this is the leeward side for those. And then I place betting markers on points right away because uh, I really like points and I'll explain that. Um, but right here, I went and kind of took the liberty of just the leeward side, um, marking those up in red for um, the predominant wind, which in our area is a west, sometimes northwest wind. Um, so you can see that these are all around the one third elevation. Um, and although I marked these in the 2D setting, what you can do in Onyx is you can actually just right click and drag and you can see this in 3d um and if you're on slight hills you can take this 3d exaggeration and you can kind of beef up those hills a little bit yeah. so you guys can see here i marked that all in 2d but because of my you know the way i read a, a topo map these are all kind of on that one third elevation might not be exactly one third of the hill but it's where that stuff starts to drop off and get steep so if you're seeing a terrain feature that you're really struggling to conceptualize, and I'm not going to try to scroll towards all my other points, <laughs> <laughs> you can leave that in. They won't know where they're at, but yeah. um, but uh, this will help you conceptualize those points, and you can see like that's how that one third pans out. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I I love it for um, mountain hiking when I'm planning like a trip out west. Um, I'm I always. Uh, do that and i'm like damn am i really going to be able to camp on this slope like uh, <laughs> a lot of the times you're trying to put a tent on a on a, on a cliff yeah. side <laughs> um 
but yeah, so I mark all those one thirds in this color. And then I go back in and I mark all the points in white. And the reason I really, really like points, and I think Bucks like points as well, is they're able to cover and monitor pretty much that entire point. So, or anywhere danger could realistically come from. So let's go ahead and look at this case. If I get a buck sitting on my cursor right now, right towards the end of this point, he can see down all around him, especially when leaf off is there, and he can get thermal from all direction around him. So not only is he, you know, if he's sitting here, he's only receiving a thermal from this side. And um, maybe if the predominant wind's like this, well, if it's blowing across like this, he's only smelling and only detecting what's behind him over here on this tiny strip of woods. Where if this situation lines up, where that buck is getting a wind coming down this ridge, he's got a thermal rising from every other area. He's got visual from every other area, and he can smell the only other place that something could realistically get to him and escape in an area he's been looking all day long and getting a thermal from all day long. So he'll know whether these areas are safe and he'll know where the pressure is coming from here. So in that case, it can be really hard to kill a deer. And we'll talk about how to kill deer in that situation a little bit later. Um, using some of the timing for the shaded, uh, for the shade when that sun's setting. But that's why I marked those points. If we got a west wind here, he can shift to the east side of this point and be in the thermal tunnel. If we got an east wind, he can shift to the west side of this point and be in a thermal tunnel. If we have a south wind, everything's pretty much perfect for him. The only wind that I wouldn't think a buck is always going to bet here on is a north wind. Um, but then again, you know, leaf off. If he has a great visual here, say this is really flat ground on top, he might, you know, and, and that's rare. And that's cases I won't necessarily plan for. But you can tell those points give those deer a really significant advantage. Um, so I mark those right away because um, I know that that's kind of like my optimal stuff. Um, the next thing I do is a special feature. So this is um, small small knobs. I'll use Caltopo for that. I mark benches. Uh, I use Caltopo with the 10 inch or 10 foot contours, relief shading, uh, the Onyx 3D terrain exaggeration, like I showed you to find benches. Uh, I use a lot of LIDAR mapping for that too. Um, transitions and cover. I'll show you guys all this stuff and uh, survey points. So that's thermal hubs, pinch points, low corner fields, oxbows. So we'll, we'll kind of break that down bit by bit here. Um, so first off is small knobs. Now I can see there's some good examples of small knobs on here, but in just Onyx alone, in this topo image alone, I just see a little bit of wavering. And that's not something I'm necessarily going to pick up on if I'm just using one mapping resource. If I switch to Caltopo, it gets a little bit more defined. You can start to see that shading they're throwing in here. And if I switch mm -hmm. to LiDAR, I go over this point. It can load here. Now I can see really pronounced. Okay, here's one of those micro knobs. Like here's a little micro bump. Here's a little micro bump. Here's a steep drainage. This one looks great to me. Like I got a drainage here, drainage here. I'm not worried about danger coming from here. It looks like that point's almost a little bit risen right there. And you can see mm -hmm. just how this gets. And so that's like what we were talking about with that other point. You know, say he's here. He can monitor stuff from all sides. This is almost better than that because when he's getting this wind, um, he can not only escape down these drainages, but he knows nothing's going to get up to him unless it's pretty much behind him at that point. Um, so even danger coming from the front, let's say in this case, 
might be able to climb that point and get up there. But there's pretty much nothing getting up this sheer ledge from the front. And if it's trying to sneak around it, it's already got to be downwind of them to get to them. So it's kind of like a pressure funnel in that case. And uh, I think that's, you know, I don't think a deer's betting there because he's like, oh, I'm funneling people and coyotes. But I, I think he's realizing like, hey, there's nothing getting to me that I haven't found beforehand in this case. Um, so he's just going to keep doing what's kept him alive in the past. So you can see when I find an area like that, I mark it in green. So let's say that we've got some more points like that. We'll just mark them preliminarily here. Just little areas where we found knobs. So let's say we found one right here. There's a nice little terrain feature there. And then we're going to take all this data that we're gathering right now, and we're going to try and use it to optimize, all right, where is that mature buck in the end? And that will narrow down. Right now, I've got so many betting points. I've got so many leeward sides. Um, I've got so many things that I'm looking at. Um, it helps me figure out what I want to prioritize, what situation do I think is best set up for mature buck, and then how do I kill him? Um, and let's say we got one more right coming off here let's say there's a little knob right there um so next just to make sure i'm going in order here i want to mark benches so this is something that caltopo is pretty pretty good at what i'll do here is i got 10 foot tours on in caltopo so you can see these contours here you can see how it stacks up well but now I'm going to put on slope angle shading. And so that's going to go ahead and uh, that's going to display the slope in kind of a gradient. And um, in this case, it's not, you can see it's pretty dramatic terrain where it's diving into the yellows and reds right away. Uh, but a lot of the times you'll see something kind of similar to this. I'm going to try to stop clicking that there, but you'll see something similar to this where there'll be steep shading relief and then steep shading. And what I'm looking for is that kind of shading relief that, that relief from that steepness higher up on a hill. So something like this, you know, maybe not quite as steep as that is still. Um, but something I noticed right away when I was looking at this map um, is this secondary point right here. Um, that looks great to me, to me, that just kind of screams at like, you know, this guy's going to get the, um, he's going to get the wind coming over his back and that thermal rising for him. But down here, he's monitoring everything up that hill. He's getting a dropping thermal from whatever's bedding up on this point. He's looking down in this bottom where there might be a hub scrape. To me, that that's screaming a really, really interesting type of terrain. And I went hey, ahead Jacob, and marked that. Go, go back to that. Go back to that map real quick. I just got a question. So, I guess I was just confused on what the, the shading is. So like, the what shading, is this, what's the red and yellow stuff telling me real quick? We'll, we'll change it to this. This makes it a little bit, this makes it a little bit better. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I don't always explain these things very well. No, you're doing so good. Slope, I don't the, always the listen very angle. well. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. So this is, this is a better setting for it. I should say right away is the gradient setting instead of the fixed setting. Okay. Um, but what that does is it's kind of like a heat map for your angle of slope so gotcha. what that is is like you know white being your easiest terrain 
here's kind of yeah. the key right here okay all the way to red we're not going to see any blue or black here but um the more towards red it is you know obviously going white green yellow orange red the more towards red it is the more aggressive that slope is going to be oh okay um okay so you can kind of in some areas now this map doesn't have a, a great example of it but here here's one for example so i've got mm. really easy slope right here i've got some yellow starting to build here but all of a sudden i got this relief area right, that's in green, right? Yeah. so this little area whether it be on points uh, whether it be long benches that run across ridges whether it be something right here you can kind of see that poking out that's a little interesting that might be a secondary point where you see some guys are like oh man they're like betting on one the lower one third in my area they're betting on you know halfway up the hill in my area it's like well where do your benches come into play where are your old logging trails like where right. are your secondary points um that changes per property but the advantages that the deer use usually don't change so if, if he's comfortable betting on this and this is kind of like and we'll look at this you know post haste with a boots on the ground scout but i might determine like oh this this kind of slope right here I'm seeing beds all over it, like pushed up against trees. Um, I know that anything where I'm getting steep slope, hard for something to kind of target him. Steep slope below, easy for him to see below, hard for something to target him. Right here might be a real sweet spot for him. And if he's in danger, he can, might be able to just drop down here. He might be able to circle back around this ridge. But those are kind of just like interesting things. Um, again, I should have used this gradient right away. But um, that gradient feature can with that slope angle shading can help you a lot. Um, Onyx also has this feature, but I kind of like the way Keltopo uses it. I think it uses it a little bit clearer. Um, gotcha. But yeah, okay. if I go to LIDAR. You can go, go ahead, ahead and keep going now. I, I just was wanting to clarify it in my mind. Okay. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate you asking because, you yeah, know, no if you're problem. thinking that a lot of people are. Um, so, again, I saw this little point here. Uh, let me scroll back out here. You know what? I'll just find it. I saw that little point there. I'm losing myself on this other map. Here, but here it is. I saw this little point here as that secondary point. I'm going to go ahead and mark that. And these are just giving me areas. Green to me is just good. It's a general point that kind of stands out. I think that green color stands out well on the map. So I like to use green in those cases. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I want to kind of look at. That's something I find interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm marking those areas on the map as well. Uh, next up, uh, we're going to mark transitions and cover. This is something that I think guys like underutilize a lot is uh, using Onyx and using leaf off imagery to see different cover. And now this can be some of your more tedious stuff when you're looking through Onyx. So I went ahead and marked a lot of this right away. But um, to me, it's like random dead patches of trees or random patches of um, poplars. So this might be a patch of poplars here. It's looking a little bit like dead trees, but you see how this is like really localized. Um, that's something I'm looking at, especially in relation to one third elevation right here, little patch of poplars I'm going over here. I got a bit of poplars right here. I've got a bit of cedars right here. I've got like CRP mix right here. That's something that's going to take that big woods. You know, I got pines right here. That's thermal cover. That's something that's going to take that big woods and start to really break it down for you quite a bit. Um, it's, you know, looking at this map, like you're just like timber, timber, timber everywhere. Well, 
deer are going to cling to that really thick stuff. Like a lot of this in my area, at least is open Oak stands. And so there's going to be white Oaks, red Oaks everywhere. There's going to be some maple mixed in um, all sorts of other stuff. But when you start to see that thermal cover like cedars um, or you start to see poplars pop up, um, those can be hotbeds of not only deer bedding, but also um, activity as far as rubs and stuff. So they might not be there in daylight, but it's an optimal area to look for rubs to me. So right here. And uh, like like I said in the beginning, this is all about prioritizing your time. So if I want to check out these points in a day, so like say I got one, two, three, four, five points I want to check out in a day. I might not have time if these are really long ridges to walk down to the end of every ridge and break down every piece of bedding. So what I might do is say I got a patch of poplar way at the, the beginning of each of these ridges and two of them are just torn up with rubs. And, and you see this in a lot of areas. Now, a lot of times mature bucks don't have the need to like flex their rubbing and stuff like that. But if I'm seeing giant rubs with a trail leaning down to that point, then I, I know I want to prioritize that point. Like if I can only cover two and these two are much better looking as far as sign than the rest, then I think those are the ones that I want to spend my time scouting if I'm limited. Um, this is a great example of it to me with these, um, with this CRP that's kind of growing in between cedars here. Um, a lot of the times I see a lot of doe bedding in there and with a poplar stand right next to it, I'm pretty much expecting that whatever buck is using this area come rut is probably going to make a rub here at least at nighttime, maybe in daylight. If this is close enough on, you know, peak rut doe comes in the heat over here, I'm probably going to see that. So a lot of times if I notice that I have a stand of poplars or if I have a few um, lone cedars and stuff like that in my area, those are trees getting rubbed. Most of the time they're there. Most of the time a buck is there to rub them. He will, if he's there during rut, um, I can use that to kind of say, yes, I want to scout this ridge or no, I don't want to scout this ridge. If I only got a few that I really have time to scout. Um, so that's another way that I use kind of that cover, especially if it's downwind on the leeward side. Um, so you can use that to mark long transitions of cover more just those small areas. The next things are just thermal hubs, pinch points, low corners of fields, and oxbows. Um, so I don't really have much for oxbows here because a lot of it's extending right. onto private. Like that might be one right there. So I'm going to kind of eliminate that right away. But my first and favorite feature here is going to be thermal hubs. And thermal hubs, for those that don't know, are pretty much anything that is going to have multiple points dropping down into it. Um I've seen them in areas where the terrain is really steep like this. So you see how, see how with this point, it's really steep. I've even seen them where they don't quite have a patch of flat ground. I've seen them on that, but most of the time, the ones that are best as far as buck survey activity, multiple bucks coming down to them, especially during the rut, I see in these ones that kind of got a little bit of flat with them. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to mark those thermal hubs and that might be a spot where I might want to put a camera. I might want to survey some deer. Uh, a lot of areas, guys will have deer actually hit thermal hubs in the day. Um, in my area, there's a lot of incentive for deer to rise up instead of going down. Mm -hmm. um, because the fields are on top instead of in the bottom. Like Ohio, a lot of times you have fields in the bottom. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you have that in Indiana at all. Do you? Yeah, we 
it's very rare to have a field of a prop in Indiana. Yeah, so those thermal hubs are even more of an incentive <clears throat> because they're going to get used all year long. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the times when I see, um, I actually had a case of this in Wisconsin. Me and my brother were accessing a bottom, so let's say like this, <clears throat> and I had a camera kind of by the outflow of this bottom. And we were hunting that day, and uh, it was like, um, I want to say it was like November 3rd. And um, we were seeing, we checked that camera at the beginning of this bottom. And we were planning on hunting a ridge like way back here. And we were seeing giant buck after giant buck on camera, but they're all at night. And so we're walking along this bottom and we're following this very specific wide buck track. And we're seeing scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape. And every time we would get up to these, one of these thermal hubs, we'd see scrapes. And there would be multiple trails coming off of these points. <laughs> And so my brother's like, dude, why are we not setting up? Like there are fresh tracks. There are scrapes everywhere. I'm like, all these were made before we got in here this morning. And um, we review the card. And of course, that's what happened. And so I said, now let's say they're even coming down in daylight. A lot of the time they're betting on that one third with this leaf off November 3rd, watching where they're going to be hitting that thermal hub. And so we're getting up to this and I'll be like, I'll show you with this next case. So right here was a scrape. And I was like, all right, Joe, you see that scrape? Like, we're going to get there and I'm going to break down why we can't hunt that right now. And we start walking up to it and um, we stop at the scrape and I point up right up here at one of these points. And I'm like, see, if a buck was actually going to hit this scrape, he'd be betting here watching us right now. And I kid you not, two seconds later, a big buck jumps up pretty much exactly where I'm pointing. And um, both of us were speechless. He just kind of like looked at me like, how did you know that? And I was like, <laughs> I had no idea Buck was going to be there, but I've seen him do it before. So um, it was a cool case where it worked out, but it's not always going to work like that. Um, but a lot of times in Wisconsin with them betting on that one third and not always dropping down. A lot of times they drop down here to uh, during the rut and pre-rut. They catch the dropping thermals from all these points where does might be betting and they hit that scrape to survey other bucks and does in the area. A lot of the times when they do actually hit those thermal hubs, they're in sight of that scrape itself. Um, so I'm not saying you can't hunt them, but even if your wind happens to work out where it's flowing along this drainage, a lot of times they're watching it. But it's a great place to hang a camera because, like I said, a lot of bucks are going to be surveying that area for hot does and what's coming into heat. You might be able to actually one year on a camera soak, catch that first doe coming into heat, marking that scrape, and you can use that in future years to, okay, doe and heat mark this, x day and a buck came off of this point i'm going to be on this point on that day because he's probably bedded up there um so it's kind of long-winded to me but i'm marking these thermal hubs um low ends of fields this works really well in ag country so i'm planning on bucks let's say coming out of this point in the field when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm going to mark that as a point of interest. And I mark those in white. Um, the reason I like marking low ends of fields is, one, it gives me something to look at if I'm glassing or shining. And two, a lot of the times at low end where they enter fields are scrapes. It's kind of just a great survey spot, in my opinion. Um, it could be pinch points kind of like that, but I'm, I'm not as big on pinch points as some guys are. But these areas I'm marking in white are things that I know from the map. These things are um, that I'm pretty certain are there. And it's something that I definitely want to prioritize checking out because all this is really building a plan for when I go on that boots on the ground scouting. Um, and I'll use pink, like I'll show you here. I'll use pink to mark possible. So this is possible betting. This part, this point I marked here, it's possible. It, it's just some weird looking cover in here. I don't know if there's different kinds of trees in here. It's possible that this is different than everything else. So I'm going to mark that in pink. Um, I'm going to mark a bunch of these points as possible betting. So I would go through in all these cases and mark possible, possible, possible. And I mark betting points there. Um, so I've marked kind of my special features. Um, I got an idea of where they're at. And next I'm going to try to stack the odds. So this is when you're kind of going to draw your conclusions from all the work that you've done so far. And this is where um, the really cool stuff happens and where you start to prioritize things. Um, so first thing you got to think about is why would a buck bed here? You got to think um, particularly for me is smell is, you know, our site is like a buck smell. Like we go off of site, you know, seeing is believing to us to them. Smelling is believing. Um, so number one to me, is what are they smelling and what are they trying to monitor here and how is that signaling to me that this is a buck that's going to live for years to come um so that's kind of where my my basis goes off of but um in alternate color i'm going to mark first what i'm going to actually do on the map is points where multiple features meet so you saw me marking pink before i'm going to mark this stuff in white because it's high priority now it's something i definitely want to check out so here we looked at this point this is that interesting little secondary ridge that we were talking about right here i've got access coming right here access coming upwind to him for the predominant wind we got predominant west wind here so that access that people are typically going to funnel to is upwind of him he's on a one-third elevation he's on a betting point He's got this thermal cover or this, this unique cover that might be just thicker stuff that holds doe bedding. He's got that potentially close to downwind to him right here. This is like all crazy good incentive for me personally for that to be a big buck. Um, he's just got, he's got visual advantage of the fields. He's got where he wants to drop down to. And number one, like he's smelling someone's access. 90% of people, the second they step off of this trail, he's gone. And he's going to know that right away. So that's how I'm kind of determining this intelligence. So if I got a betting marker in white, I know that's something that I'm probably going to want to sit down in this bed. If there's a bed there, most likely there is, and check it out. 
Um, and I'm kind of racing through this for the sake of the podcast too, Josh. I don't want to take no, up too much. You're, fine. Your time. you're good. Um, but things like this, like say this is an access trail that that propagates down off the tops of these points right here, leeward side, interesting little knob, interesting bedding point. If that access continues here, he's downwind of access again. So these are multiple incentives. He's also looking at this access right here. He can see this parking area right here. Uh, if anyone like me were crazy enough to walk up these ridges, he'd see them long beforehand. So um, that's something, again, I want to mark this in white. Like that's something I really want to check out. Another thing, if someone's down here, this might be an okay access if they're willing to go up a high hill. But look at the other access from this. They have got to go a long, long way to get to this deer. And, you know, less likely, just more miles you tack on, less likely people are going to be there. Again, with this point right here, thermal cover with pines. It's on a little bit of a steep slope, but that's okay. He's downwind on the leeward side. He's downwind of this major access. Um, he's got it. Again, this bedding point, one-third elevation, that's another thing. That's a point I'm going to prioritize because it's got multiple incentives that are telling me something mature my bed here. Now, you can tell that these are – there are plenty of other cases of this in this widespread map, um, but I'm just going to label a few for now. Um, again, we talked about what is he smelling. Now, this is where it gets into time of year. Um, is he smelling doe bedding? So let's say in this case – I've got something that I thought was really characteristic of doe bedding, which is these cedars, the CRP, stuff like that. And he's probably going to be bedding here on a south wind. And a lot of times during rut, we get those hot snaps wherever one day when you plan your rut vacation, it's going to be hot. And there's going to be a south wind pulling in. Um, I'm going to prioritize this in white because it's a spot I definitely want to check out. But I also know that if he's downwind of this doe bedding and downwind of like where he's lighting the stuff up with sign, and I go in there and the boots of the ground in the spring or in the summer or whenever, and I see that there's lit up sign here, I'm going to assume that this is rut all the way. Like he's, he's perfectly set up to catch any activity from hunters coming here and he can keep a monitor on those does all day long. Now he might be using this bed multiple times in the year. Um, especially cause it's a North facing slope. It gets less sun exposure. So it's probably a cooler slope than say a South facing, um, or else what, or else. But um, it's definitely got the most incentives for him to be there during rut. So while he might have a one to two day to three day stint where he's using that bed or using it consistently, I believe, you know, I have to do boots on the ground to figure this out. But say I'm going in blind right now and this is out of state. I believe that my highest incentive for him to bed here is going to be during the rut. And so if I'm going out of state, I'm looking for points particularly that First, monitoring access. I want that buck to be mature. I want him to know, to be around the block and know where people come from by now. Um, I want him to be downwind of doe bedding. I want him to be on a unique point because I find a lot of mature bucks doing things like that. I want him to have view of some kind of access, stuff like that. Um, and that way, let's say, you know, I got a wind coming here. I got a wind that's south, southwest. I'm going in here out of state and I'm like, all right, there's going to be a mature buck here. And I get to this stand where there should be rubs and there's not a thing. I'm like, all right, maybe it's best I work to this next point. And so I'll just keep moving at that point. Um, but a lot of the times you're setting yourself up for success because you're going to that area beforehand of where that sign should be popping up. And you can determine whether that's a good spot going into it or not. And again, 
you know, this cuts down your time boots on the ground, but it can really cut down your failure rate um, and can cut down you picking spots that aren't being used um, if you're going out of state and all this stuff you're seeing from a map beforehand. Um, we talked about what are they smelling, um, site after leaf off. We talked about if he's watching um, access. Another big thing is, uh, is he watching doe bedding? Um, so a lot of times, say there's a buck up here, say this access trail isn't here, and there's this thick cover here. A lot of times they can actually watch that doe bedding. They can see does coming in and out of it. Um, again, is he watching a thermal hub here? So these guys are looking down, watching. Say does start dropping off this ridge. They can see if does and heat are coming down here. They can use that rising thermal pretty much all day to determine if a doe that was in heat actually came down there the last afternoon. They can drop down there in the evening. So these points around thermal hubs and the routes down to thermal hubs are something that I'm going to look at, particularly when I'm planning rut hunts. Um, so next here, uh, and identify stack points in alternate color. That's what I showed you guys with the white um, stack just being stacked odds. Um, another thing, proximity to features. We talked about downwind of doe bedding, overlooking hub scrapes, um, watching or smelling a pinch point that funnels deer course um next big thing for me is sun exposure um so this is going to be a case where i'm using caltopo again and i'll try and do this so that you guys can see both screens at once but um this is something that um i really really like to use when i'm in season scouting so let's say we're here october and it's 3 30 p.m so I can see where all of that shade is hitting the ridges early. So say I got a ripping hot day in October and we identified this point here. If I got a south wind, let's say that there's, or it was this point, I believe. Let's say that there's um, thick cover here. What I assume is doe bedding here from the map. Um, and it's a hot day in October. There's a bit of thermal cover down here. We saw on the map. Let's scroll over to that. Yep, so this point right here, we got thermal cover for does right here, as you can see right here. Thermal cover, likely doe bedding right here. We got more thermal cover down here, so that's actually pine, stuff like that. It's going to cool off a buck, that high shade. It's going to cool off a buck in those hot days and rut. I got that south wind, so this is the leeward side, and this is something that already at 3.30 in the afternoon, he's getting shaded pretty well. Um, so that thermal's starting to drop. That's going to do two things. One... It's going to make sure that he's cooler and more comfortable there while he's still sitting down when the doe bedding. And two, it's going to tell me when he's actually going to start to move. So say he wants to come down to this doe bedding or this thermal cover down here where he wants to check some kind of scrape that's down there, we'll say. When that shade starts to hit him, that's when that thermal from the top of this hill and all these other ridges are going to start to drop. That's how I'm going to time up when I want to be in my stand down here. Because if I get here, and he's not in shade at all, my thermal is going to be rising right up to him whether you can see me or not. So I like to use this slope angle shading or this uh, sun exposure feature to determine when I should be at the bottom of this ridge. To me, 330 is when I probably want to be set in this case because I already know that right here is exper experiencing that dropping thermal. And if there's a dropping thermal right here, my thermal rising is not actually going to get up to him in time. So I might be sitting right here trying to cut him off on his way back down to here. Again, this is all stuff you're theorizing, but you're going to kind of prove it in your boots on the ground scouting. 
or your access in, in the case of a blind set. Um, is he close to water or thermal draft? A lot of the times you'll see stuff like right here where there is a little bit of water here. And let's say this is a habitual creek, even though it's not showing here, and it's draining out this way. A lot of times that general wind current will be sucking out this way. So is he sitting, does he want to come down here and use that as an incentive to drag this scent out here? He might be smelling multiple thermal hubs in here. He might be smelling multiple does that are bedding in here. Is he using that flowing water as something that is where he wants to drop down to in order to smell everything else up here? Um, is he close to food? A lot of times that comes into play when it's late season with uh, or early season with different kinds of oaks, um, egg like soybeans or corn. Um, you know, that last standing corn can be a huge attract. Um, and you can add notes. Um, this is something I'll do um, when I want to kind of prove whether I knew what I was actually doing, e-scouting. I'll add notes to what I thought was going to be true. And um, if I come to a point and I'm seeing something that's completely different, like, hey, not a lot of rubs, but this area is getting hammered early season. I totally thought this was going to be a rut spot. I can just kind of add that to my list, to my inventory of, hey, in this case, when I think in the past that this is rut, I was finding that this was being used early season. So I'm going to add a note and that's going to allow me to kind of check myself and understand whether I'll be right in the future when I see that point kind of pop up. Um. Now you're going to prepare for boots on the ground scouting trips. Um, so first thing I do is plan a route. I make a circuit to try to hit as many points as possible in a day. You can see one kind of being made here where I'm coming from a major parking area. I'm verifying whether these trails right here are actually human trails or whether I track them on the right point. Um, I know a lot of guys flip on their tracker right away when they go on a trip in Onyx. I like to save it for something like a defined deer trail or a defined human trail. Um, and that way I can use it to kind of backtrack and, and tell me if I was really correct in where I marked that. Um, but I'm going to plan a route that gets me back in the parking lot and hits as many points as possible. Um, I prioritize those white spots like we marked that have those high incentives. I prioritize hitting areas that have those, um, those covers around them that I might see a lot of sign. Um, I plan to hit the transitional cover where you're talking about with sign. Um, it, it, it's going to help you eliminate ridges. You know, if, if you don't see that sign that you're expecting, you can eliminate ridges, work to some other ones. Um, and then you can also use it to, you can also section off the property and say, Hey, I want to hit this section one day. I want to hit this other section another day. So I'll show you guys here. So let's say we're going in for a route here. And Josh, what parking lot do you want to work from? Uh, let's go from that one of those bottom ones, Jacob. Maybe on the, the left. On the left right here? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. So let's say we're going to go from this black parking lot here. Um, so one of the things I was really interested in was this point down here and this cover up here. And there's some stuff over here. You know, we would have marked this in other colors because it's downwind of that. Um, it's downwind for the predominant wind. It's on the leeward side for that predominant wind. They're on points. There's some of those features here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of plan a route that allows me to see as much as possible. Now with giant areas like this, I'm not going to be able to cover everything, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of plan. All right, I'm going to walk along this human trail here. I'm going to start to walk here and I'm going to transition to walking that one third elevation. 
This is where I might find those micro points you can't really see on the map. I'm going to check this bedding here. I'm going to walk over back to this trail. I'm going to check this sign here. I'll walk down this point to identify this trail. I'll check this bedding here. I'll come back up. And I'll work this one-third again back into here and check this point here. Now, that's probably a pretty full day. Um, now, let's say I'm not seeing a lot of sign right here. I might actually skip that stuff and move back further then. Or let's say I am seeing smoking sign. That's kind of what I want to get on. And then what I'll do is if I had time, I'd probably work up here, drop down to this thermal hub. But let's say that we don't have time for that. And I'm just going to take this trail back out. So right now, when I prioritize a trail, and I'm going to mark this in green because I don't like leaving green points very long. I'm going to eliminate that route um, once I've scouted the whole property. So now I know generally what I plan on covering. I can kind of follow that, that plan. And now I know that, all right, I was able to cover this in a day. I might make a route for this area one, one day. I might make a route here one day. I might make a route here one day. And I can kind of say, all right, it's, you know, right now it's going to take me four days to scout this whole property, or it's going to take me five days to get a fast feel for the best areas on this property, I should say. Um, then you can kind of prioritize your time and how long it's really going to take for you to do these things. And something I like saying when your boots on the ground scouting is use your map to get you near, but your mind to get you there. Um, again, this is all just to get preliminary points. Some of this stuff might not be true, but this is kind of your best guess at it. And this is something that's going to help you get on deer as fast as possible um, when you're out of state. So you don't want to be on here making sure you're stepping. And every time you step, it's on this point. I'm staring at my Onyx map. No, I want to be, I want to have a general feel for where I'm going, but I want to let those trails and that sign guide me to where I should be and uh, learn from that. And so um, when I get done with this, I'm going to take points like let's say that um this i thought that was going to be poplars it is poplars but i can tell you right now it is but let's say it's not um i'm going to delete that point like that's something i i don't think there's actually going to be if this isn't poplars this is just some weird patch of dead trees or whatever um i'm going to delete things that weren't right or i'm going to make notes and stuff that was right so let's say i get down here and i thought this bedding was going to occur during rut but i'm seeing no sign here i'm not actually seeing doe bedding here but there is a defined bed right there, then I'm going to maybe remark my notes and I'm going to say, hey, that's actually early season. I'm going to throw that early season folder and then I'll ca categorize it in whatever color I'd like for that. Um, but really what this does, you guys, is it gives you a great starting point. It eliminates a lot of the areas, tells you what, based on your current knowledge, where bucks are going to be bedding. But um, what I really, really like using it for is was i right and what are the cases in which i do see this so like let's say i go over this whole property and i notice that you know i've got a point here that i freaking loved and i had a lot of success there when i actually went and hunted it um now i know that like when i see a f terrain feature like this i've got a secondary point downwind of access downwind of this thick cover um on a knob and he's overlooking, let's say, agriculture. He's overlooking thermal hub. I'm like, damn, if I see that in the future, I'm setting up on that right away. And I know right what time of year a mature buck was using it in this case. That's not going to apply to every area, but that's something that can certainly get you a lot closer than 
geez, I don't know what to do with this property. I'm just going to walk in and figure it out. And if I find a rub, I'm going to set up on it. Because that's the approach a lot of guys take is like, where's the hot sign? Now I'm good to go. Where you want to potentially use this stuff to kind of narrow down areas. Um, so it was a lot of me talking. <laughs> no, that was good. I think if anybody has questions at all, just leave a comment yeah. in the comment section. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure Jacob will be monitoring them from time to time. And uh, sure. I'll try to answer them if I can as well. But no, great job, man. I think that was a pretty well master class on, on mapping for whitetails. So yeah, I um, appreciate it. I know you got to get to work. We're, we're recording this at what? We, what do we start? 4 a.m. your time? Yep. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's... yep. <laughs> um, Jacob, can you tell everybody what you got going on with the, uh, your YouTube channel and, and whatnot? Yeah. So, um, similarly, but probably not as, as awesome and with podcast as before the echo, I've got a kind of a semi sister channel to, uh, the hunting beast. It's my, my channel that I've been uploading a lot of stuff on now. It's called the wild calling. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram too, but YouTube is where you're going to see most of the stuff. Um, yeah, I'm just uploading everything there. I got shorts of little betting breakdowns. I do. Um, I've got another detailed e-scouting video. I've got a lot of boots on the ground scouting videos. I've got all my hunting videos. Um, and so anything that you guys want to see as well, or if you just want to see quick updates and stuff like that, it's all on there. Um, and I'm just going to be, uh, hammering out content. I try to upload something at least every Wednesday and Friday. Um, but I'm just going to be as consistent as possible on that going out. And, uh, it's something that um, I'm going to be investing like dang near all my time into. Um, but yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, everybody go check out the wild calling and I'll leave all that in the description uh, of the video here. And Jacob, man, thanks for getting up and doing this this morning. And <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's my pleasure. Yep. <laughs> well, everybody have a uh, good rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys later. Sweet. Thanks, Josh. Bye.